Hello, I'm Kenza, and this is the Finding Space podcast. Hello, and welcome back to the Finding Space podcast. In this episode, I have a truly fascinating conversation with British rower John Collins. John talks about joining the British team, the highs and lows of his first Olympic Games, and how he has progressed through lockdown, building up to his second Olympics. Enjoy. Yeah, so I, I was part of a Euro- the European Championship team in the London Olympic year. So it was that was it would have been just after probably like a month after the Olympics in London. Uh, I joined the team, and uh, that must have been quite an exciting time to join in terms of the yeah absolutely Olympic buzz. I mean, uh, funnily enough, like I, I mean, I was always excited about joining the team, but I think that amplified it massively. Um, you know, we got we actually took some time out of our training to go and watch the Olympics, um, and a lot of our like a lot of my friends and stuff were racing in the Olympics. You know, my flatmate at the time was in the men's quad, a, uh, a guy called Charles Cousins. I think you might know him, but um, you know, he was in that, and a guy I trained with at, at Leander called Will Satch. He was there getting his first Olympic medal and you know that that final really sticks out in my mind because I went yeah went to watch his final and um, I remember cheer like as he came past I was cheering for him as loud as I possibly could and I couldn't hear myself cheering because of the noise of the crowd and it was like that that it was you know it became known as the dawny roar and it was like this wall of noise that the rowers rode into and i remember thinking like that was i'd never experienced anything like that at a sporting event um and i was like it made me like super desperate to you know it it, it kind of made me sad that i wasn't it made me well, no it made me very sad that i wasn't there racing like i had this real envy of everyone who got to experience that because you know, I've done a couple of Henley races that have got quite rowdy and um, that's great, but that was something that was just on a whole, you know, a whole other level completely. To Just to even, even though it gave you that maybe, I don't know, sort of a negative feeling of, of envy, but it was a positive drive, I yeah, imagine, to, to push you forward. Being at that must have been, did it, not that you you weren't sort of already on that path but really sealed that yeah it drive. De- it definitely added a load of clarity to what we were doing like i had a i at the time i didn't know that for certain that i was going to be in the team following the games but i had an idea that i would be because you know we were the sort of foundation of the next olympiads team in that europeans team um you know i had an idea but it did really add like the, the thought of the thought of being there and doing that was really sort of crystallized in my mind at that point. What was it like sort of, was there a big crossover with athletes coming back from the Olympic squad? Was that a, a good thing to be around people that had been in that or was it? Yeah, a hundred percent. Like that's one of the things we've suffered with this Olympiad is that there hasn't been such a big turnover, like a, a big, uh, you know, there's been like a lot of new there's been a lot of people retire and a lot of new people come in and as a result that sort of olympic wisdom that gets passed down has been a lot um sparser what do you think it is i mean you sort of use the word wis- wisdom but is there a sort of security of knowing you have 
either people in your boat or in the club that are um, performing have performed to that high level is it direct conversations you have what what is it exactly that it is having those sort of not vets but the older guard around um it's it's an idea of what is required it's it's like a um there's like a tradition of success and you see people who do think who have won gold medals um you know in in like take the coxless four for example it's like always been the flagship boat you had three of the 2012 um gold medal winning four were still there when in the rio olympiad and you, you could watch each one of those guys do their thing every day and know that that's the gold standard um you know two of them had already won olympic gold medals prior to that and it, it's so black and white it's like those guys are the they are the gold standard like how do they do every every aspect of their training you can look at that and go that's exactly what i need to do to win a gold medal and when you do these things on the stopwatch you're comparable to them and you can go right that's the standard and it gives you a huge amount of faith in what you're doing and a, a huge amount of guidance and then there's you know like um like i remember i had a conversation with alex gregory uh, before the 2015 world championships uh, and he you know he was going for his second olympic gold medal at that point uh well, yeah, he was he hadn't won his second one yet but he, you know he was going towards it and um he he was t talking about a conversation they had before london with uh matthew pinson and about how they communicated as a four and that's like and you know that 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 worked really well for me and johnny in our double and the that that sort of wisdom that you get from someone who's been there and done that and especially a guy like alex gregory because he again he was like I mean, he was better than me because he won so much more. But he, his like his progress wasn't meteoric either. He had had a lot of failures before his successes, and so to learn from someone who'd done it the hard way, there's like wisdom you can find there that you just can't get anywhere else. And um, being a part of a team like that, it was just, you know, you knew it was going to end well because you had all these guys around you that had done it, and you were there chasing them, and they were there pushing you, trying to fight you off, and. I mean, that was just a, the environment there was ridiculously powerful. And so you're coming off the back of that buzz from the Olympics and, and really that hit of maybe just really wanting that Olympic feeling. What was, was there a, a big jump in sort of your approach or anything or was it still because you've always said you've had a steady progression mm. so did did much change for you in that period or was it just uh a... yeah like i that especially that first year i really struggled um like i like yeah like my progression was steady and it was perhaps a bit too steady in that first year like the the step up in the the, the training program i really struggled with and um I didn't get selected for the first world championships of the Olympiad. I, I ended up being dropped from the team and, and I, I was sort of semi-invited back into the team to do this um, this eights project, which was our, our job was basically to, the, the top boat that year was the eight and our job was to essentially just give them a hard time to push them on. Um, and I was a part of that. And that was, a I, I really enjoyed that project, but it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. I wanted to be selected in a in a world championship boat, and um, no, I, that year was there was a huge step up, um, and 
it, in a weird way, I think it presented me with some opportunities that I wouldn't have otherwise had. Um, I Because I wasn't at the World Championships, I got to do this experimental training program that one of our physiologists had written, um, which set me up really well for the following season. And so I came back in the autumn of that following season in quite good shape and got collected some quite good trials results and then bought myself a bit of breathing room and then got injured. And when I got injured, Jürgen said to me, look, just take your time, get everything fixed. Like, you know, there's no rush to come back. You know, we had a block of time where it was just training and I spent, you know, the next two months, um, for well, it was over two months, um, getting myself fixed up, but also almost reinventing myself as an athlete. And um, and what, so quickly, what does that, mean in your in your sense that reinventing yourself was that physically was that yeah mentally predominantly physically um you know like my my style of sculling wasn't that effective in before that um you know I, I rode quite badly I just used to work as hard as I could and t I couldn't work that hard because I'm not that physically talented and so I had a bit of time where I could use the work I was doing in the gym to change how I moved my body in the boat but also I was just doing hour upon hour on the static bike I sort of parked my static bike looking out the window onto the lake and was watching people row past and just grinding out these hours on the bike and it like absolutely revolutionized my physiology um you know I made myself a, like someone who just struggled to hit the baseline standards of the program to someone who could you know chew them up and spit them out and when you when you're able to take a breather in your training it does change completely how you adapt to the program you know i wasn't fighting just to not just to not embarrass myself i was like able to almost start to thrive and that yeah that changed everything for me it's come up a, a few times with um different athletes that times of injury even though they're not obviously ideal they're not chosen but have actually often been times where their career has advanced afterwards a lot more and because it is almost that time to step back and maybe it's those ones that take advantage of that downtime in a way to really look at things that either weren't the same or as you say you've reinvented yourself is can that how you know is that a, a sort of a 50 50 split do some people really thrive through an injury and some people just really struggle with it i think it's it depends on the injury um like i i had a in my case i had like a a slight problem with my hip which had led to a small bulging disc in my back and i had an injection in my back and uh you know did some work on my hips to like stabilize them uh which is not very severe um but it does it did mean i couldn't row for a while and so i wasn't particularly restricted in what i could do and so i had a lot of opportunity in front of me to make myself better there are some guys you know like there's you know one thing that rowers quite often suffer with is bad hips and you know there are guys who've had like hip surgery and things like that and that that really does wipe you out and in those cases i can really understand people struggling to you know like my mentality was like absolutely ruthless but if i'd if i'd not been able to even walk for like a month or whatever i i would 
would no doubt have struggled you know so much more um so i do think it it depends entirely on what's actually wrong with you um but yeah like but uh, it sounded like that you took that time yeah to and, really advance your career and anyone who i think anyone who is at the sort of level of anyone who's at that like level of in your sport would do the same thing you know if you if you're presented with you're not if you're not completely written off and you've got an opportunity where you don't have hoops to jump through and you can just work on yourself for a bit like you you're going to move on and anyone who doesn't use that probably has got problems that are going to stop them competing in the future anyway and so you had come through this period and and sort of your time where you're sort of you were getting pbs and improving and and going toward how far out of the olympic of rio were you at this point uh so that was in the that was the uh in the january before the 2014 world championships uh and i got selected that year in the double with a guy called johnny walton who'd been the spare the year before um and that was like like i was see that that was like another I don't want to call it a fortunate circumstance because we kind of made it for ourselves, but um, we just kind of hopped in that thing. And even though we were both like remarkably untalented physically, like on, we were like off the back of the, the spreadsheet on all the, the scores and stuff. Um, but we got in a boat together and just seemed to completely outperform the sum of our parts. And we were both of a, we both had very similar mentalities and you know that caused problems for us in its own ways like we weren't able to sort of communicate the way we had to because we never needed to mm. because we could just subconsciously know what each other was thinking at most points of what we were doing we would just row around like sometimes in silence and just be able to know exactly what we were doing and what we wanted to do and how hard we were working and all of that stuff um but it was like it was just a great project to be a part of and um we were just we had this like really sort of hungry attitude that just carried us all the way through the rest of the olympiad and we we weren't hugely successful we were we would always be hanging out the back of the a finals or prop you know leading the b finals in a team that was just like winning medals you know by the mountain um you know there was you know that was quite hard in in, in a respect there was a, quite a few regattas where we would come back and the entire men's team would be have medals around their necks and we were the only boat that didn't um but it, like that would only you know make the fire burn hotter in a way that would you know that would push us harder because we would um you know it just made us not want to be that boat the next time and you know come the olympics come rio we you know the final world cup before rio we won our first international medal uh, we won a silver medal and the, the sort of style we did it in as well was you know really cool because we didn't sort of claw back through the field to pick up a silver medal we led the race until about 10 strokes to go we you know at one point we were like nearly breaking clear of the field and it was only that we ran out of steam towards the end that we got pulled back in by the kiwis and um, that sort of attitude we'd had for a couple of years took us from being like also rans to being like on a real legitimate medal hunt in Rio, um, and that was that was like one of the most exciting periods of my entire rowing career was was that that sort of final run up. And when you were sort of saying like 
physically you, you didn't have the same attributes as maybe other people in the field so mm. you were having to sort of think outside the box if you will is, is that an enjoyable thing to do um i mean would you rather i mean obviously if you're just winning everything it, it would but, yeah. but in terms of that challenge of having like right we we don't have the we're not running away with every race what can we do differently to sort of catch up is that something uh, that is it was enjoyable a weird, it's a weird one because you you sort of you know like we knew that our opposition and um, we we had a pretty good idea of what numbers they would do for certain things that we and we we weren't anywhere near that and yet at no point did we ever accept defeat in that department um and like ultimately that was that probably was the reason we didn't win an olympic medal was because physically we weren't good enough because you know even though in the right conditions we were probably were me like realistic medal contenders the final that we raced was in a raging headwind and it was a slow race and it needed you to be very physically strong and we just weren't and so instead of fighting for a medal we were trying to claw our way back into the race um and that's just the harsh reality of it but at no point did we ever just go oh well, this is hopeless because we don't pull the same numbers we just like i can't even imagine us ever coming to that conclusion in a weird way so building up, maybe sort of talk a bit about that, you know, I mean, being selected for an Olympics is a mm. huge achievement yeah. in itself. Um, but going through that period and, and that time you say was one of the most exciting times of your career and getting that silver and then going to Rio. And obviously the final wasn't, you know, your, your dream sort of result, but what was it like maybe sort of mentally going through that and building up to it but then dealing with it afterwards yeah see this is this, this is like a the the big thing is we we had this unbelievable couple of months um you know things were going well into that final world cup where we picked up our first medal and things you know we went and did that and stood on a podium for the first time and got some silverware and we got that belief and we then went we had a couple of days off after that and then we went to Silveretta which is our like work camp uh, and that's in the Austrian mountains and it's this lake that spends most of its year frozen and it's like this really strange sort of greeny blue color and it's like an absolute pit of misery um, you know you spend the whole thing just barely able to keep your eyes open and we were doing like more training than could ever be reasonable um and but we just like seemed to chew it up and spit it out and just loved every second of it and like i was trying to think back to that uh, like i can only remember one moment of that camp that wasn't completely incredible and that was just one session where i felt like the boat had been sat on slightly wonky for the session so my lower back was getting a bit sore and i like threw my toys out the pram a little bit of johnny and then funnily enough we actually caught that on video on the gopro of me stopping rowing pick having a drink of my water bottle and then lobbing it into the bottom of the boat really aggressively but um that was as far as i can remember that was the only hiccup we had in those in those couple of months and it was just this like never-ending like snowball that just seemed to be getting bigger and bigger and bigger as we rolled towards rio 
and um, you know, in, in on our the net, we went to a camp from Silvretta to a place in Italy called Varese, and um, that's like a, this lovely finishing camp where you do loads of like sort of racy stuff, and you're like not doing that much training, so you can really get your energy back. Um, but the stuff we were doing, you know, we were banging out like world record pace for fun, and it was just like so easy to do. And the this like there was this like completely we we developed this really deep rooted belief that we were going to go and do the business um and you know like the you, you sort of feel like you're charging up the side of this mountain to the top of it and um yeah we we got to the heat and the lake in rio was awful like it was this um you know, if there was even the slightest breeze, it was like verging on unrowable. And we, we, we weren't great in rough conditions anyway. And so in the heat, we had this, this, this awful race and had to go through the repechage. Um, and we, but we made it into the semi-final. Um, and the semi-final was like really nice and flat. And um, that was like, that was the absolute peak for us because that semi-final race was as close to perfect as we could have possibly well, not, not as close to perfect as we could have possibly delivered. I'd say the last couple of hundred meters, we knew we were in, so the wheels came off a little bit. But we deli we like had this incredible delivery of what we'd practice. And it was like, it just built that excitement up for the final even more. And, you know, you, you like, we had the world record holders and world champions in our semi, and we'd pushed them like right the way through to the line. And we'd never done that before. And, um, you know you sort of dared to believe at that point and so when obviously the final did go so badly like the distance we had to fall from that was just monumental and you know oh that was that was a very um because the thing the thing was is on paper coming fifth for us you know we'd the follow the, the previous season at the world championships would come eighth and the previous year before that we'd come seventh and so to come fifth at the olympics was like oh that's a really good step on but with the way things had gone, we just, that was not where we thought we were. And, um, you know, that, that second week was just this like absolute roller coaster of emotion. Cause you know, you sort of wake up in the morning and you go, oh, I'm actually quite proud of that. And then suddenly you see like, oh, actually like God knows how many of my friends are now Olympic medalists, most of them Olympic champions. And so the, like the emotions of that just go like up and down the guys you've trained with every day who you sort of compare yourself to have have gold medals and are enjoying especially when you're out there that the perks that the, the medalists especially the gold medalists get are like really cool and you as a non-medalist just get completely forgotten about and that really does pour salt in the wound and and so the the sort of it, you know it's like sort of as i said you you're charging up the side of this mountain just to fall down the other side of it but it's almost um it wasn't even like falling down the mountain it was literally like falling off a cliff um and that that was incredibly difficult and it took a long time to sort of be a to be able to look back on that with some level of pride like what we'd actually done because um because of the the sort of nature of the yeah like like i said the nature of the second week is just it really amplifies any emotions that you have and if you're even slightly unhappy with your performance you're going to come back feeling very very unhappy um so that was re that was really tough, um, but it did it did plant the seeds for this Olympiad, and you know this Olympiad I've been generally on the podium more than I've been off of it, and that has been 
I, I'm, I think that's right. But I've, I've been on it enough. Like most years, I've, in fact, every year I've been on the podium at some point at the World Cups and I've got one World Championship medal now, which is great. Um, and without that Rio experience, I don't think I would be in the position I am now um, at what all. Do you, what do you think it is about that experience that has Im improved? Um, I think, so when you're like the in the final we were you know we went off and we got we got absolutely battered around off the start and so it wasn't like we physically yeah so like the, it was really rough at the start because the, the the waves were banging off this concrete wall behind the start line and we got we just got caught in it we seemed to just get caught in every single wave and it, it felt like everyone else was just rowing in a flat lake and that we just seemed to be randomly caught in this rough lane but we just that i mean that's what it felt like and we were thrown out the back of the race in no time at all and we spent almost the entire race just trying to row through the french who were also hanging out the back of it and um there was like there wasn't much to focus on it was just like well we're here and we're this isn't going anywhere nearly to plan like i can't even see the bronze medal position from here it's you know even if I like almost look the entire way round, they're way off. So that's that. And, um, you know, like there's no doubt in my mind that we, like I was utterly exhausted at the end and like we gave absolutely everything we could in that race, but everything that we needed to be good at to, to do well, we weren't good at. Like we, we weren't good in rough water and we weren't strong enough in a headwind um, or for a headwind, sorry. And, and it's like very black and white. It's very simple. It, it became very clear to me that um, not then, but subsequently that like the, the way things had gone were completely irrelevant because we hadn't fixed the things that needed to be fixed in order to win in that, on that particular day. And it does, it, you know, very much highlighted to me later on, I realized, you know, I was having a, um, we were on a night out in in Rio, and I was I had obviously had far too many to drink, and I was in one of my down moments, bawling my eyes out on some curb in the middle of Ipanema, but you know being consoled by my friends, and I was just like, oh, you know, we deserve so much better, but ultimately you don't get what you deserve, you just get what you get. Um, and I think that that sort of realization to me was like was played has played a big part in this Olympiad is that you need to you need to be the complete art the sort of complete package you you can't have weak spots uh, otherwise you're leaving yourself vulnerable to days like that which we had at the worst possible moment um and so i kind of made a promise to myself that i would use every session to no matter how tired i was or how you know how bad the day was i had to get something from every session i did from that point onwards no, no matter how small it was, I just had to. Otherwise, you're gonna you're gonna fall short at the at that final hurdle again. Um, and I think for the most part, I've done that quite well. Uh, you know, there are days where I, you know, I sort of have to really search to find what I've got out of that day. But generally, I've done at least one little thing to try and make my myself a better athlete on that day than the day before. Do you think that? So obviously, that mental sort of experience gives you a lot of um i guess strength and resilience yeah. moving forward so you're you're then looking back at 
and using that in your training moving forward. Yeah. Um, so it does sort of improve your your mindset coming forward to to this this games. Were were there anything else maybe during that period afterwards when you're trying to sort of reassess and rebuild and recover? Um, were there any conscious things you would do for your mental health? Was was that something you were thinking about even? Or was it more of just uh, getting back into training? Yeah, like I, I don't think, I don't think I realised it was only like months later, you know, probably the following year, when I realised how sort of far I'd fallen in a way. Um, most of us who, you know most of us who'd not got a medal in Rio came back and you know we were very driven but at the same time a lot of us I think really struggled in the in that sort of period up until the following Christmas like I think we'd all just been a bit like you know what's the point in this you know like, you know once the the light the, the sort of bright lights of Rio had completely died out and you were left with the sort of harsh reality that you've got another four years to wait or in, actually end, ended up being five but um you know you've got all that time to wait and it did that was a really hard thing to wrap our heads around and you know we did fall a long way and you know that I was in a in a bad way for a long time um and I just didn't even know it I didn't I had no idea I mean I'm sure people around me knew it but I certainly didn't and so you know we just kind of plodded on and hoped for the best and it took you know it took a long time to um sort of get back on our feet again uh but you know like we almost having that target of knowing i'm carrying on and having tokyo it, you know it became and and the sort of the real like because the pain was so like raw back then um every time i thought about either the pain of rio or the potential of tokyo you know that that was enough to just keep keep me doing what I had to do no matter how I felt about anything so um in a way that kind of took care of all of that there was no like sort of depth I wasn't gonna that I was gonna go to where I wasn't gonna still come out the other side because I have to I had to because that's what it re is required to do better next time this sort of year moving forward and then even that time leading up to the games and then the games itself do you think there are things you'll approach differently maybe even not just on a on a training sense but in on that mental approach to it yeah yeah for sure like i think one of the big mistakes we made was um it like we had a lot of meetings and things in the build up to rio about how the olympics will be and there was a lot of talk about how oh, it's yeah it's the olympics but it is also just another race just another two kilometer race and you know you should just treat it like that and that was and maybe it worked for the people who were saying that but for me that was probably some of the worst advice I've ever been given um, because it's not at all you turn up at this event that is on a scale that you will never experience um, any other time like the world championships and stuff is just like such a non-event in comparison to this and that's our second biggest event and um, you will be completely blown away by it in every possible way 
from the moment you put your kit on for the very first time to the moment you come home. And if you try and hide from that, all you're doing is pushing that, like sort of that emotional charge to another moment, uh, and it's going to come back and bite you at some point. And you know, I do think a part of our performance suffered off the back of that, um, and we should have really just absorbed it and enjoyed it. Um, and you know, you do have to step up for it. And it, 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 you say, oh, you know, you don't need to do anything special. You just need to do what you've always done, and that's true to an extent. But it is a special moment. And you have to be ready to give absolutely everything that you've already done in one performance. Um, and that's a lot harder than it sounds. And it's not something we often do at any other point. You know, the, the whole Olympiad is spent building this one final performance. Um, and, you you know, you have to be ready to deliver it on that day. Do you think, I mean, as you pointed out there, that the Olympics is such an astronomical step up from your normal sort of level of uh, competition in terms of, you know buzz around it and crowd and media and things like that that other sports you know a lot of other sports don't have that issue so sort of i don't know basketball players going to the olympics you know playing in an nba finals or an nba game is just as big in terms of the attention they're getting so they they might not have that sort of massive step up whereas is that something maybe that some rowers or even other sports in the Olympics don't can't almost prepare for that until yeah. they experience it? So having that Olympics now gives you so much more sort of yeah. mentally to approach the yeah. next one. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, I mean, a part of me does think that, like, and I'm not saying this is how it should be, but a part of a part of me thinks that if the Olympics isn't the pinnacle of your sport, you, the sport probably shouldn't be in the Olympics in a way. But at the same time, it, that's not realistic because, you know, like there's a lot of sports that are fantastic sports to have in the Olympics that where it's not like, you know, for cycling, for example, the tour is obviously the biggest thing. And the Olympics is, I mean, I guess the Olympics might not be that far behind it, but I imagine it's a bit behind it. Um, and like you say, with basketball, but I, I do think that that can be a disadvantage. And what you, you do often see is, guys who go to an Olympics and do badly and then go and do well in those sports where, you know, like especially in rowing, like Andy Hodge is, you know, everyone's like, oh, Andy Hodge is what, triple Olympic champion. But he also did really badly at his first Olympics. And like a lot of people just forget about that. And, um, you know, like that, that, I think that's a part of it. You know, learning to deal with that occasion is a part of it and learning to respect it. And I think in a way, like I'm look, I'm much more excited about Tokyo having experienced Rio because like I know what's coming and I know that there's going to be the high highs and the low lows. And, you know, if it all goes belly up, then at least I n know that, um, you know, and you have to be willing to accept that that might happen. Otherwise, you could, uh, you know, you're not going to do what you want to do anyway. Do you think it'd be easier for you mentally to walk away from the sport after Tokyo than it would have been Rio because you would have you're sort of mentally or probably in a much stronger place yeah I mean I, I mean I never had any intention of walking away after Rio so it's quite hard to sort of contemplate that um you know I I always knew I was going to carry on at least for another one because I don't know like especially for me I've never really felt like I've got to to my full potential 
um you know it has taken me a long time and i've always had this like underlying sort of subconscious feeling that i've not i'm not quite the athlete i could be um and you know i need to get there before i call it a day um and you know like i, I definitely feel a lot closer to that now than i i was then but um i think like that's kind of why like carry on to paris is a lot more uncertain for me because you know i do feel like i'm nearly there now and if i if i give my best performance on the day and it's not good enough then like what what else is there to really to do you know like what and it will be you know obviously heartbreaking if that means i don't get a medal but at the same time what more can you do at that point um and i think that's the big thing for me is to be able to give my best performance and you know i do sort of believe that if i get everything right then my best performance will be good enough but um that's a hell of a lot easier said than done maybe just talk a bit about that building up to you were all selected so mm. the sort of the games were on and then it wasn't on um and now you're sort of preparing for 2021 what's that been like for you um the it's a strange one because you know yeah we were i was named and stuff but it was like it, it was a really tough uh winter like it was very very stressful um like i i had a really smooth run of things in terms of like my selection and things you know i i seem to be in good favor with the co the selectors and you know jürgen and that all the way through the year which should make my life a hell of a lot easier and to an extent it did but it did nothing for my this feeling that just everything was on the line at all times um so that was really tough but then as the sort of time came to think about tokyo and things like that like i felt good like i felt ready i wasn't ready yet but you know i was on my way there um and then this lockdown was announced and i that was a bit like it, not even gutting like it was just like all oh, right well that's that then you know like as as athletes if you if you take that thing too personally you're like you probably you know i don't think that that's a, a a very good thing to do as an athlete to take that sort of thing badly like you just kind of take it and accept it and move on because in sport there's always unforeseen circumstances that you have to deal with better than anyone else otherwise you're going to lose and i guess everyone was in the same situation it wasn't yeah. like it was an individual that was no exactly and like the only the only thing where i think we haven't been in, all in the same situation is where like take for example the kiwis they've done a lot better at handling covid than we have and so they got out on the water before we did but but then at the same time i'm i'm clocking up more miles on the rowing machine so i'm probably getting fitter quicker um and actually what ended up happening was i had sort of six months of some of the best training of my entire career just in my back garden um you know i found thing i i sort of discovered a lot about myself and i discovered a way of training that benefited me in ways that I couldn't have imagined and you know like and now I'm in a place where I'm like holy hell like was I actually ready for Tokyo like am I like I'm a completely different athlete now to what I was even before the start of lockdown and maybe maybe I wasn't ready and maybe now I actually might be and you know I and not to sort of take away from the suffering that has been felt by people but this lockdown has probably been the best thing that's happened to my rowing career and 
uh, that's actually quite a strange thing to think that this in, in the midst of all this disaster has been like such a big blessing for me but it must be quite an unusual thing to grapple with the concept of potentially becoming the best you've ever been without leaving the sort of leaving this know, house yeah, the, yeah your your house and your garden and yeah. yet your rowing has come on yeah and what what exactly do you think it was about that environment that you're in for that period that improved your rowing there was there was nothing more for me to do than just focus on myself there was no external worry or pressure like i would get up in the morning and all i had to think about was what i was going to do that day and how i wanted to do it and what i could possibly get from it and because everyone was somewhere different you know there were some guys who actually were tr recovering from covid and there were other guys who you know couldn't train because of this or that and some guys who were smashing the training and some guys who were barely managing any because just they couldn't bring themselves to do it and um that, that like it was all irrelevant what anyone else was doing and so you know i went out and did what i had found to be best for me and and that made that just was you know there was like opportunities i had like what you know when we do the the more intense stuff you know the the harder pieces the things where people care about how ev everyone else does because you want to see how you've compared because you've tried as hard as you can um you know you have th these these things and normally when there's selection to be taken into account these things really matter and you want to make sure that you produce a consistent performance so you in a way people don't do stupid things in those sessions because they need to get their best numbers whereas i had opportunities to do things take risks that i'd never taken before because it didn't matter if i completely fell flat on my face because no one was there to see it uh you know if some bad numbers on a spreadsheet doesn't look the same as people seeing you completely flopping off the 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 ergo so um you know i, I got to do things and try things out that i'd never tried before um in in the, in the way i was doing things and um just like looking in the mirror it's like that sort of like david goggins would call it a mirror of accountability you just kind of look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself are you like doing exactly what you have to do to be the best you can be and that's all i could do um and i really enjoyed that like i really enjoyed it um like a cycle i think most of my progress i made was psychological uh but that obviously bleeds into how I handle my training and that in itself makes me a better athlete. So the principles of my training that I sort of cemented in lockdown, like, you know, I've, I have to carry on doing those. And one thing I've realized is training in a team environment does challenge those at time to time in a way that training here doesn't. Um, and, you know, that's the challenge is to maintain that discipline to, not get carried away on little day-to-day -day battles and being drawn out of what you do well but to like completely enclose yourself within a team environment and ignore what everyone else is doing and just do exactly what you need to do uh, and it's made me like really appreciate the people that do do that like I've noticed people who do do that a lot more since becoming one of those people myself like you know you sort of don't really see that when you're the one who's like seeing what everyone else is doing and trying to like do point one better uh in, instead you realize these these athletes who do do that and you're like oh that's why they're you know olympic champions and you know massive pullers on the row machine and you know fantastically successful rowers does mental health always come second or can mental fitness be on a par for an athlete to succeed 
it's probably not the most popular opinion but i do think that if you're striving for anything that is like out of your reach like if you're if you're aiming at something that is truly like at your fingertips and not firmly within your grasp you're probably going to struggle with mental health anyway because you're you're stretching yourself further than your you you know you're tr- in order to produce the, the performance in whatever walk of life that you're trying to produce like if in order to produce that performance you're having to go somewhere you've never been before and i think that requires that's going to that's going to require some ups and downs and you know like the the state i was in after rio like that is that i wouldn't wish that upon anyone but at the same time like i'm fully prepared to go through all of that again because that's what's required and you know i i a certain acceptance of that i think almost aids the recovery process like you know you're going to be there are times where things are going to be really hard and you're going to have to find coping mechanisms to get through it and i think actually part of the acceptance of that is how you develop the tools to get through these things and i, I think like men, it depends how you define mental health as well like if you mean like just being happy all the time then like no you're going to be completely mentally unhealthy but i think my mental health is great because i have the tools now to combat the post world championships or olympic blues that comes and you are know, I, I, I mean after tokyo remains to be seen but you know when you come back from a world championships there is a real lull and like almost a depression that comes with that and you know i know that i have the tools to deal with that now um and the fact that i sort of have that minor depression is kind of irrelevant because i know i can bring myself out of it and i don't know is that meant is that mental health in itself i don't know people aren't happy all the time that's not a thing you know mm. you're not happy all the time you're not um in a good mood all the time it there are fluctuations to our mental health so as you said that if you're taking on something that you're pushing yourself to your physical limit of and you know if you're winning an olympic gold medal mm. you're pushing yourself to a possibly a physical limit no one's pushed before if you know maybe if you're beating a world record or something mm. so you're naturally going to be pushing yourself mentally to a level maybe no one's pushed themselves before in that sport so and i think acceptance was a really good word you used there in terms mm. of allowing and maybe empowering athletes to know that they can accept the fact that it's going to be really hard and yeah. understanding that they might not win and they might not achieve what they want to uh, or achieving what they want to might hurt them in some ways mm. but giving them that acceptance and that understanding then maybe it improves the mental health in terms of recovery so it yeah. gives them the tools to work afterwards and that and that's a big thing like the when i think about the guys in the team who probably struggle the most with like anxieties and stresses and things like that they're the guys who also perceive these things as weaknesses um you know like guys who feel like they can't show any form of weakness because that's going to work against them um those are the one those are the guys who do struggle the most and with you know with those those things and i think like for me personally like i have no problem talking about my anxieties and stresses you know i do have a lot of them um well not, not a lot of them but that's kind of the point isn't it like i get rid of my stresses very quickly because 
I get them out of my system very quickly and that's you know does work to my detriment quite often because if someone's doing something that stresses me out I tell them very quickly and often that upsets people um, you know I've, I've definitely been in trouble for that a couple of times but um, it, it's not it's not a weakness to, to be to have vulnerabilities and that's the point is like you're working on your vulnerabilities as as both an athlete and as a person um, and you kind of if you're not willing to accept them you're never going to deal with them and um, seeing them as anything other than just another thing to be sorted uh, means you're probably going to fall foul of that that sort of idea of suffering as a a natural it's just to be expected and you know struggling as a weakness or these mental things that to be just a weakness and ignored almost is that maybe archaic approach to it and you know the the idea of a you hear about i don't know there's been football teams that have had loads of hamstring injuries and they've changed the training surface because it's you know Mm. they'll look into oh well why are we getting these physical injuries we need to change these and implement these and train but maybe now that conversation is moving more towards the mental side as well and and appreciating that yeah feeling bad or or struggling after a loss or struggling after coming down from a win or something like that is mm-hmm. that all it has to mean it is that maybe it doesn't have to be over dramatized it's like no. well no we can put these tools in place and work with them individually yeah and the same way you do with your um spinal injury you had yeah you knew what was wrong someone told you and gave you advice on what to do and then you took your approach on how to handle that yeah and and I guess bringing that out into the open will help a lot of people on the sort of mental side. But I think a big part of that is also being willing to sort of accept responsibility for that. And I think some a lot of people struggle, like even a lot of rowers, struggle to accept responsibility for their own sort of failings. Failings is probably the wrong word. Um, their own sort of shortcomings. And, you know, like if you're if things are like when you're feeling down a lot of people want to find a reason for them being down and and they look everywhere except in the mirror um and i think that's really important like that you that that that's almost where you start because i think you'll never find the cause of your problems if you don't first like start with yourself and like appreciate appreciate that that might be where things are going wrong for you um and that was that was kind of where I went wrong after Rio. Is you know I I did blame everything for the reason I was just so beat up about how badly we did. You know I I hated the fact that the medalists get treat, treated differently to the non-medalists while you're there, and I hated the fact that we flew home on this plane and uh, you know my other half who was a medalist got to sit in business class and I got crammed into this. Um, cattle class seat that I couldn't fit in and uh, you know how she got invited to this premiere and I didn't and um, she got invited to Buckingham Palace and I had to get the tube home after the Olympic parade and things like that and you know like having this you know everything like that I was like well that's why I'm feeling down because we're, con- we're constantly being having it rubbed in our faces but actually it was all just a natural part of um, it was all just a natural part of that that whole of event and you know, that was something to be accepted not to to shy away from and not to just b- 
blame that for how I felt because it was that's not why I felt that way. It was because I hadn't got the performance I wanted, and also I'd just been building up to this massive thing, and now it was over. So of course I was going to feel that way. Um, yeah, and that and that's that was like a testament also to the performance we did give is that through all of that I never blamed like so Johnny my doubles partner and Banksy our coach I never once blamed either of them for our performance it was always everything else for why I felt that way it was never either of them and in retrospect that kind of stands testament to the fact that we did do everything we could um, and that's actually that's a, a very comforting feeling now looking back on that and you've obviously spoken a lot about going through this lockdown period how you've been able to sort of almost focus on yourself more and, and not worry about those outside um, distractions. Mm -hmm. do, do you get any sort of uh, gratification or, or sort of does it push you more to know that now you're one of the, the more senior members, you're one of those athletes that have gone through a games, mm. you're sort of, you know, around younger athletes. Do, do you enjoy that part of of the club environment? Yeah, it it is. It can be like a double edged sword in a way because I do, I really enjoy it. Like there's especially this team. Like I really get on well with a lot of guys in this in this team. Like you know, I I'd I'd call a lot of them my friends, and I, I you know I really do like like these guys. Um, the only thing I struggle with is is. Like I, I struggle watching people make the same mistakes I made. You know, like I, I see little things people, little training habits people have and little things they do in the gym and little things they do on the water that I think, oh, well, if they just did that slightly differently, then um, they'd be a better athlete if they just adjusted that or they just did this or they just did that. And I'm, I'm like, you know, I'll especially the thing is is my delivery is also awful so that I'll try and like help them with something you know like I'll make a comment about you know how they're squatting in the gym or uh what they're doing on the lake or whatever and you know it's very rarely received <laughs> received that well um and that does frustrate me in a way because I guess it's me trying to help out and sometimes in a bit too much of a humorous tone but um you know I I do want to sort of teach everyone my lessons uh, but it's a lot easier said than done, and I, I don't think that works that well. I don't, like there are very few guys that are really willing to learn those lessons from me, uh, because they can't. You know, people have to live their experiences, don't they? And yeah, you can sort of help nudge them in a direction, but you're never really going to turn people round. You you know, um, so no, I do I do really enjoy it, and the the like the I learn as much from these guys as they learn from me as well. Like there's new guys coming through who are better athletes than I am already and and you know like it sort of refreshes your idea of how things can be done um and that's been that's been a real education and you know i've learned a lot from some of the younger guys so um no that's been really good thank you for listening if you would like to see the portraits from this week's episode please go to findingspace.cc for more interviews like this please subscribe to the finding space podcast